Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to the Awesome Early Bird Podcast. It's your old pal Emac coming to you with one Greg Ehrenberg as we get ready for Thursday's slate, double slate, early and late, or I guess main, on August 20th. For those of you, I'm going to say it at the top right now, the promo code, the best one we've put out yet for basketball, promo code MAMBA, one week all access NBA content. $8.24. That's barely a dollar a day. And they're running four basketball games per day. And they should for basically the next week because it doesn't look like anybody's going to get swept in these series. We think enough weirdness has already happened. But check that out. Best offer we can get. Plus, you get Slack chat, but you get all the tools. You get the boom bust tools, the projections, uh, both for players and for ownership. Well worth it. Greg, I'm catching you on the spot here. Did you use any of those tools before you came to Austin? I honestly did not, but I do use them now, and I like them very much. <laughs> Has it changed dramatically? Did you say, where have you been all my life when you started using some of these? How can you save me so much time? Oh, my goodness, what was I doing before? <laughs> you know what's funny is, so a lot of the stuff, and I, I don't know, like, I, you've, worked, you've worked for a bunch of different sites at a bunch of different places too. And you do kind of get the mindset where you just assume like, hey, every website kind of has the similar-ish tools. Like that, and, and so you kind of think like, hey, lineup builders are generally the same. Content's kind of the same. But, and this isn't me just like blowing smoke or whatever. The tools that also really are way different than the other sites, especially the things that I use a lot. Like I really like the top stacks tool for, for baseball yeah. that Alex put out. The uh, top pitchers, top two percentage. Like those are things that are unique that he puts out and that he uses that don't get used anywhere else. And those are really valuable tools you can't find anywhere else. Right. And the other thing I like to uh, like about it is is in conjunction with the Slack chat, if we explain how to use it, because some of them you're just staring at and man, I was using some of them wrong or I'm not using some of them to their full extent. And then you say, oh, hey, how do you do this? And they're like, oh, you don't use it this way. And then it's like the angels start singing and a rays of light come down. You're like, oh my goodness, how was I not doing it this way? Uh, beforehand and that that's that's really helped the, but the uh yeah the the stacks tool is probably our most popular uh thing right now but alex is already talking about um augmenting the one that he did similar for nfl uh stacking game stacking and and, and uh, quarterback combos so that's kind of an interesting one and it looks like knock on wood that the nfl is still chugging towards uh forget what the date is i have april or i have september 21st stuck in my head but i think it's like the 16th or something like that but uh nfl is moving along remember we're not having preseason um so so are they even having any glorified scrimmages or are they just they're just kicking off with week one 
they're huh. kicking off with week one. I mean, I, they might do like inner squad scrimmages or something. Like that's what that's what baseball did. Remember, like baseball had some of those the co- summer like combinations camp games where it'd be like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, September tenth. My bad. Wow. So that is four and a half weeks away. Wait, my math is even off. That's just over four weeks, just shy of four weeks away. Jeez, it's that soon. is sneaking up. It is soon. I think because where my internal calendar's off is, you know, baseball. We're we're not quite a month into it yet, which is, by the way, half the season. But it's August winding down. Uh, all the neighborhood kids that are are getting ready to go back to school, and some of them are heading off to college that they're not doing distance learning at so it's it's sort of like wow i guess fall's not that far behind so here we are goodness all right let's uh jump on in here we have let's see a four gamer uh we'll kind of talk through dk here a little bit and then we have an eight gamer that's the main slate so for that we'll focus uh more on pricing and such the four game slate is uh, you know it's reasonable but we don't really have all of the pitching listed yet. So I'm going to go over here to Major League Baseball's probable pitchers page. So our first game, we don't have anybody for Tampa Bay yet, but we do have James Paxton Paxton. for the Yankees. He has a seven ERA at the moment. He does have 18 strikeouts. Uh, He did see an uptick in his fastball, which is key, but he has been struggling somewhat. We talked, um, uh, Terry McBride, T. McBee and I talked a little bit about him and you know, we both have watched a fair amount of James Paxton. One, he likes him because he's a Yankee, but I watched a fair amount of his Mariners games. Uh, on That's the one nice thing about the MLB package. I can still keep up with the Mariners if I can manage to stay up late enough uh, to watch them. But he is a phenomenal pitcher. But he has the – it's hard to describe, but he has a very unique throwing motion. And something is always out of alignment at this point now that he's on the wrong side of 30. So if he's trying to favor his elbow or his forearm, all of a sudden his hip hurts or his knee or he screws up his plant foot and then it's his ankle and then it's something else. So mechanically, he's just been off uh, at this point. So um, tough one there. Uh, rounding out the rest of our guys, Vince Velasquez, kind of a batting practice pitcher. Trent Thornton. We'll have to see what happens there. He's been dealing with a sore elbow and has uh, been on the shelf for a bit. Chase Anderson is uh, in the mix. Spencer Howard, uh, has uh, he's a rookie, uh, but he's coming up. He's been dealing with a blister injury. He's Just he's just to correct you on something, because you, said, oh, uh, you I... said Vince Velasquez and Spencer Howard. They're oh, I'm sorry, team. you're right. Those are next to – yeah, see – Probably or uh, uh, the probable pitchers page is not doing me any favors because they're doing what they ought to do. So let me get back here. Okay, so it's gonna going by DK. It's Chase Anderson and Spencer Howard uh, in that one. My apologies. The other pair will be on that later game. Please note that Philly and Toronto is on the DK slate. It is a seven inning game. They did the same thing uh, today with the St. Louis and Chicago game for their afternoon slate. I don't mind that when it comes down to pitching. It gives us two more options. And frankly, you know, I don't think these guys are going to get shortchanged because I'd be shocked if anybody involved in these games goes a full seven. But if they do, that's a complete game bonus as well. Um, but we've got Lucas Giolito and Spencer Turnbull. And then we're, we've got uh, Coors is on this slate. Herman Marquez and Christian Javier. Who's standing out for you? Everybody's got a little bit of a caveat with the exception of maybe Lucas Giolito, who is not quite in last year's form, but at least the strikeouts and the pitch count is there for him. Yeah, I'm just bringing up Giulio's numbers right now. He's regressed a little bit, particularly with his command, because he was a guy who, a couple years ago, 
had good stuff, but wasn't really generating swing and misses. And then his, his big issue was, was the walk. So 2018, even though he had good stuff, Giolito only 6.49 strikeouts per nine innings, 4.67 walks. Then last year, he was able to still use that same stuff. He was able to hone it, get the strikeouts, and keep the walks down. So he was striking out 11.62 hitters per nine innings, 2.9 walks per nine. Now this year, he's kind of been in between those two things. He's still getting the strikeouts, 10.41 per nine innings, but he's walking 4.88 guys. So like you said, it's not quite peak Giolito, but relative to the other options on the slate, I think he's a good option. It's a plus matchup against the Tigers. And just because there isn't really any other high-priced pitcher that looks like a good option, you know, the other two decent pitchers I consider on the slate would be uh, Christian Javier and Herman Marquez, and they're pitching at Coors Field. It kind of makes Giolito a little bit of a no-brainer play for this slate. Yep. Uh, well, then we've got Spencer Turnbull. He is 8,500. Well, now we're talking SP2 because I'd rather go SP1 with Giolito. I said last night uh, on the early bird that I wanted uh, Jack Flaherty as my SP1, and he made it, what, an inning and two-thirds today? So, And I said, oh, he's the best pitcher on this whole thing. <laughs> well, it's baseball. Things happen. But uh, Turnbull, you are getting uh, 97, 92, 87, and 87 pitches. Uh, he does have to go against the White Sox. Uh, they're playing tonight. I think Luis Robert was out of the lineup, and I'm pretty sure Yasmani Grandal is going to be out for a couple days. So a slightly weaker lineup, but you've got those two. And then Ryan Yarbrough is be a he's a starter now. They aren't really putting um, the opener in front of him, but his pitch count has gone down in each of his four starts. The first start was 80. Oops. Uh, oh, 69 was the first one. Then 87, 82, 77, 51. That's the direction I don't want to see here. He's 7,200 plus he's facing the Yanks. So, Yeah, Yarbrough is not really a pitcher I have too much interest in. And like you said, that's such a red flag that he only threw 51 pitches last inning. That also just uh, 51 pitches last start. That topped off with pitching at Yankee Stadium. That's, that's a brutal spot. Yeah, and even without... Um... Uh, I was going to say Mike Stanton. It is Mike Stanton. It was Mike Stanton <laughs> when he came into the league. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton and um, oh, who's uh, DJ LeMahieu's out. Uh, is Judge, Judge is also out. Yeah, Judge yeah. is out. So, you know, they have a borderline all-star team already out. It's still a tough matchup. Um, so just be careful. All right, that'll do it for the early one. Later one, um, I think we have all but like two of the pitchers. So let's go back here. Do we have any? We don't have any doubleheaders on this one. St. Louis and is St. Louis and Cincy a double? No, they are. Uh, no, okay. there's usually a notification at the top of the uh, DraftKings page when there's a doubleheader on a slate, and there is none. So I, I think we're clear. All right, just making sure. Uh, <laughs> we we you know, try try to be careful here, uh, leaving no stone unturned. So it looks like they've. Are not do. Let me guess. The Nationals do. The, are the Nationals playing? I know they were rained out. Actually, let's. Oh, they're actually not on the Monday slate. So okay, that's why they weren't on anybody's. So let's talk for a second about that. That was an interesting thing. Um, so you and I did the show live before lock on Wednesday. The Nationals. We knew it was probably 50-50 that there was going to be a delay. I wasn't anticipating a postponement. I thought it was you know 10 or 15 percent chance. Apparently, it was a little bit higher than that. But my approach on these things, particularly for baseball, is to not worry about it that much. Plus, it was a chalky situation. Now, you and I were also on Sunday when we both said taking uh, Philly and the Mets out of our player pool. We didn't like it. It looked way worse. And then that game went off on time and they played it. So <laughs> I don't know who to believe with weather anymore. I don't know. And even if we do think we know, 
the the teams are doing things slightly differently because it's not quite as i mean the doubleheader is not great but the doubleheader is two seven inning games so you're really only adding five innings if you do a doubleheader they already don't have any off days um so it, you know that's really not going to matter as much either making up is going to be kind of hard plus everybody's schedule is all out of whack because of all the teams that have had to sit things out so it seems like long way of saying it seems like they are not really trying to stick around and play these whereas i think we thought they were going to that was sort of conventional wisdom before we've started seeing some of these just get get pulled early and it, it kind of all uh, really came to a head on Friday night with it. With, who was it? The Twins and oh, I've even forgotten now. But they were they were canceled out like five minutes after their game should have started. So there are two ways to approach this. One, just don't worry about it. It's going to come out in the wash. It's variance. Just think of you think of it as your team getting no hit and your batters didn't do anything, or you x out those games. But if you x out those games, then you can't be mad when they play and good things happen. I mean, you can be mad, but it's a fool's errand <laughs> because you were trying to avoid one outcome and the other happened. So that that's why I'm not mad that this happened. It's like, well, you know what? It Does it suck? Yes. Do I wish I would have done something different? Maybe, but maybe not. I don't, I don't feel that bad about it. And I had 30% uh, of Eaton, 30% of, I forget the other national and 25% of Freeman. And then most everybody else on five at five to 10%. So a third of my lineups are toast at this point, but that's okay. Cause I'm, I don't, I didn't see where they landed with the rest of the field. I'm going to assume they were like 15 or 20%. I make enough lineups that I can overcome that. So we'll see. Cause now I know a whole chunk of the field is suppressed. So we'll see how that plays out, but it's just life's too short to get mad about these things in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's DFS. Plenty of people will get mad anyway, but it's, it's also the, the way I look at it though, is like you said, it's, it's just some of those situations are just losing slates and you have to make those decisions. And it's, I find it really tough to make weather decisions, like you said, because not only do we have to be able to try to forecast what the weather is, but then we also have to try to guess, are these teams going to try to play through the weather or not? Are there going to be other factors? Is the field going to get wet? And sometimes it's just kind of out of our control. So at the end of the day, a lot of times it's just guesswork. Like if you're really risk adverse, then just any game that has any amount of weather in the forecast, where even if it's like a 5 or 10% chance of rain, like if it's going to bother you that much of a game gets postponed then just take it out of your player pool. I'm generally fine with taking the risk. If I think it's a good spot, if I don't think it's a good spot and it's risky, then I'm going to take them out. But if it's a good spot that I think is worthwhile, like with targeting Eric Fetty on Wednesday night, I was like, I want to have exposure to him. And uh, I, I did. And it came back to haunt me a little bit here. Although also at the time of recording this, every, every game's like one, nothing. So uh, I, I don't know that they would have scored that many less runs in the teams that are currently ongoing in the slate anyway. So we'll see how it, we'll see how it plays out, but it's it's in the shit happens category. Yep, absolutely. All right, now into the meat of things. Here we'll just uh, borrow uh, DraftKings here, and I'll just go game by game, and then I've got a few other tabs open, so I can go look for additional information. But we've got Shane Bieber at ten thousand six hundred. He is going to go against Pittsburgh. This will be Bieber's sixth start. He is four and zero, a one point three uh, ERA, and the amazing part. 54 strikeouts in 34 and two-thirds innings. There's your top player of the night. Not much else to say. Uh, how do you feel about him? And then take it over for Trevor Williams on the other side. Yeah, I'm not much of a Trevor Williams fan. We had a, I feel like we had a slate like a few days ago with Trevor Williams. So it was this guy pitch every other day or something. <laughs> but, but, but either way, uh, 
yeah, it's, it's hard to get away from Shane Bieber. He's been the best pitcher in baseball so far and massive DFS upside. Like he's had a couple games with like 14 strikeouts or something like that. And Trevor Williams on the other side, his strikeouts are up a little bit this year. He's striking out a career high 7.97 hitters per nine innings, which is still not all that much. Also in only 20 innings, uh, the peripheral stops from don't look great. He has a okay 3.980 RA, but a 4.62 FIP, a 5.01 XFIP. Uh, where he's getting lucky is with sequencing. He is a fairly high six, uh, 76% left on base percentage, a 286 batting average on balls in play. Uh, let me look down at his velocity swing, his velocity and swing strike rate. Um, swing strike rate is decent. So maybe there's reason to think that he should be striking out a couple more guys velocity, almost exactly in line with his career average. Uh, still, I'm not a Trevor Williams guy. There's, there's really good pitchers on this slate, kind of oddly because it's only an eight game slate. There's been a lot of 11 game slates with awful pitching choices. Uh, so I don't think we need to go to Trevor Williams but on the other hand, Shane Bieber is somebody who is probably going to be my highest owned player on the slate. All right. Uh, and I do want to point out a three implied run total for Pittsburgh. That is the lowest I can remember this year, unless the Marlins had one around, right around there against DeGrom or somebody like Scherzer or somebody like that. Uh, next game, Milwaukee and Minnesota. It feels like these two teams have played each other like 25 times. <laughs> so we've got Jose Berrios going against Brandon Woodruff Woodruff is going to be making his sixth start as well. He is averaging about five innings per start. However, he's gone four and a third and four in his last two. Pitch counts, uh, reverse chronological order, looks solid. 86, 91, 95, 92, and 85. Uh, this will be the first time this season he has actually squared off against Minnesota. And then um, Barrios never know what to do with him his strikeouts are almost at, or they are at one per inning uh, we like to see that but batters are making a ton of contact he's already allowed four home runs 16 earned runs 13 walks in 24 innings that's that's no bueno um, tough matchup for him if I had to land I would take the $600 discount and smile with Brandon Woodruff in my lineup so one thing that's pretty funny about, about Brios is he's kind of in this weird situation this year where I feel like nobody's rostering him, but nobody's stacking hitters against him either. Cause he has, he has enough name value where people are like, Oh, Brios is good. I don't want to play him. Cause I don't think he's that good, but I don't want to stack against him. I'm kind of on the side of it's okay to stack against him because he's just not been good at all this year. He's a 5.92 ERA, 5.03 FIP. The big issues with him has uh, number one has been the walks. He's walking nearly five hitters per nine innings. And then he's also giving up a bunch of home runs, a 16% home run to fly ball rate. So you pair those two things together. He's putting guys on base. He's giving up home runs. That leads to a decent amount of upside. And he hasn't faced all that tough of competition. He's pitched against the Royals twice, Pittsburgh, and the Indians, who have not had a good offense this year, certainly well below expectations. So when you consider that Barrios is struggling that much against bad competition, and now he's going to be facing you know, a pretty tough Milwaukee Brewers offense, I think the Brewers make for a decent stack. And obviously this is early enough in advance. So we don't have any kind of ownership data or anything like that, but I assume that they're not going to be very highly owned and they're going to be a pretty good contrarian stack. Moving along, we have the Dodgers in Seattle. It is a 5.3 implied run total. It should be Clayton Kershaw going against the Mariners. They're going to be putting out one of their four lefties, UC Kikuchi. Mariners have a 3.3 implied run total. It is going to be in the low 70s at first pitch, so a little bit cooler there. 
uh, especially for August in Seattle. That is uh, more favorable for pitchers. Reminder, they do have the, the carport, if you will. It's an open-air stadium, but that's why there's never rain issues. But it does not do anything to uh, keep the, the rest of the weather out. I am going to like... I don't know if I'm going to like Kershaw. 10,200. I will, I will not be rostering him with a smile, but the question that then becomes is, well, which Clayton Kershaw are we really going to get? He has given, last game he gave up one home run. The one before that he gave up three. The one before that, none. He's averaging um, just over a strikeout per inning. He's probably good to go for 85 to 90 pitches. He's 10,200. The Mariners are disappointing, except when they're facing good pitching, and then they seem to disappoint us because we take the pitchers against them. I'm I'm at a little bit of a loss here. I will come down with Kershaw, but I would prefer Bieber, um, probably two to one. This this would be one where I may not go as much, where I do my my little 30% of everybody and let the field decide if they're going to be above or below me. I think I would I want to land more on Bieber. Yeah, I definitely prefer Bieber too. It's a little crazy that there's only a $400 price difference between them. When you consider that, you know, Bieber's averaging 35.3 DK fantasy points per start, you would think that he'd be somebody who'd be in like the 12 to 13,000 range at this point. Cause that's usually what we see from aces once we get a few weeks into the season is the guys who are pitching really well usually end up being pretty expensive. And that hasn't really been the case so far this year. So I think Bieber makes more sense than Kershaw. I'm not going to totally cross Kershaw out of my player pool. I think that he's worth rostering. The Mariners are still a decent matchup. And Kershaw, despite his older age, not quite the pitcher he used to be, you know, he still strikes out 9.53 hitters per nine innings this year. He's a 2.65 ERA. His FIP is quite a bit higher, but... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He's always been somebody whose ERA has outperformed his peripheral stats. Uh, for his career, 269 batting average on balls in play, so well below the league average of 300. He's just always been really good at limiting hard contact, so that's kind of to be expected for Kershaw. I think this is a good spot for him. Um, he's going to be uh, looking through the pitchers. He'll be one of my five highest-owned pitchers, maybe even a top three highest-owned pitcher for me. Bieber will be number one, though, and he's good enough where I don't want to have any exposure to the Mariners. Okay, that was going to be my follow-up question. I think I agree. You get a one-off here or there, that's fine. But uh, it feels a little tricky to stack against Kershaw. The main reason is the Dodgers still have a really decent bullpen. So even if he's out of the game, it's not like uh, we should be excited by that. And if he gets you know knocked out of the game, it's going to be in the third or fourth inning anyway. And he'll you know that's already going to have the clock ticking on the Mariners. You uh, see, Kikuchi had. I don't. So he had that really out of nowhere good game. Here's a guy that that basically last year, I'm going off the top of my head, but this was his first year over from the Japan League. I think he gave up like the sixth most home runs, but he did it in like 35 less innings than anybody else ahead of him. So he his home run rate was bizarre. Uh, he had what was his strikeout count for that game? He had nine strikeouts two starts ago. His last one, 
against Colorado, he ended up with 13 ground balls, uh, which was nice to see, but he only had three strikeouts. Still went 95 pitches, which is a season high. It's just hard for me to recommend anybody against the Dodgers. Yeah, same here. I mean, one thing that does make Kikuchi maybe mildly interesting is, one, the Dodgers are probably going to be fairly chalky on the slate. And, two, if you look at the pitching options, it's tough to find many SP2s to be confident in. And he has pitched better this year. He's shown more strikeout upside. The only cheap pitcher that I really like on this slate is Kevin Gaussman at 6,500. So Kikuchi at 5,700, like you absolutely need a cheap play. I think that he's not the worst pitcher in the world to roster, but certainly not somebody I'm going out of my way and thinking like, I need to have this guy in lineups. Let's see what he had done differently here. He went real, that start that he did, got all the strikeouts. I think it was the slider he went to real heavy that he had not really done. His, his velocity is way up this year. Yeah. So his oh, it's fast- his cutter. I'm sorry. It's his cutter. God, these different sites have the different <laughs> naming conventions for the same pitches. Yeah, so he, he throws a cutter this year, which yeah. he didn't throw last year. His fastball velocity is showing at 95.1 miles per hour. Last year, he averaged 92.5. Uh, I don't know how legitimate that is. I have to check it what the sample size is on that. Um, but if his velocity is up that much, that's, that's a pretty promising sign. That seems unlikely to me because he's an older pitcher who – looked kind of past it last year well the other thing they did last year is they first the mariners came out and said they were going to spread his starts out and then they decided they wanted to keep him on the regular because he's like look i'm used to starting you know like every four days in japan that's just kind of what what we do i'd like to stay on that so then they started limiting his game his innings in game but you never knew when they were going to do it or not and then if you go back and look there were really only like four different occasions but that they did that in particular so I don't, I mean, you're, it's neither here nor there. He is 29, so it's not like he's, you know, uber youngster, and he's got, you know, almost a decade in the in the Japan leagues uh, under his belt. So it's not like the arm's getting any fresher, but maybe they've decided he's he's built up enough stamina or whatever it might be that they're like, all right, gloves are off now. Let's see what happens this year. We, we, we're on a shorter season. You're going to make 12 starts or whatever it is. So it's not the general wear and tear in your arm. Let's Let's see what you can do. That could be what they're trying to do here this season. Although, I mean, look at his velocity. This is, I mean, it's it's up across the board. His fastball velocity is up three miles per hour. Change up, change up is up three miles per hour. He's throwing his slider six miles per hour harder. Like this is really weird data. I don't know what to make of it. What maybe was maybe he was dealing with an injury last year, right? Like that's if I had to say, what's the situation where Kikuchi pitches well this year? It's that his velocity is way up, and the reason it was down last year was because he was hurt there's no real way for us to get data on his velocity while he's pitching in Japan, which makes this a little hard. Like if we were to find out that he threw 95 miles per hour in Japan also, then I'd kind of find that interesting. So I think I'm kind of talking myself into Kikuchi as just like a throwaway SP2 on DraftKings tomorrow. Not a guy I have a lot of confidence in. And I certainly wouldn't be surprised if he gets bombed against the Dodgers, but just given this is a smaller eight game slate than what versus what we've seen, I have a little bit of intrigue there. All right. I'm just seeing if, Oh, I, it will take too long to find it. I was just, well, here's some, so here's something from March and they're quickly talking about the reinvention of, of UC Kikuchi. This is from Lookout Landing, which is a blog uh, by Mariners uh, fans. I'm just reading. So this was during spring training. So not the summer camp, but spring training. Uh, Kikuchi's regularly hitting 95 with his fastball. His sliders reached the no, low 90s. This is not a case of hot stadium radar gun either. These velocity readings have been confirmed by the TrackMan system installed in Peoria. 
blah 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 regular caveats apply when dealing with spring stats but this increase in velocity is nice nonetheless or nonetheless says the biggest problem over the last season was him maintaining consistent mechanics his throwing motion is a little more complex than most he has a slight hesitation at the peak of his wind up a long arm motion and an inconsistent leg kick if any one of these is out it's kind of like what we said with paxton any one of these is out of whack (laughs) velocity and command will suffer (laughs) so um and it's just so hard too because we're not familiar with him because he pitched in japan before here so our only exposure to him is last year where he was one of the worst pitchers in baseball right like remember the first slate we did together that he pitched we were like his home run blade was like unbelievably bad last year right. like he was he was on like a record-setting pace for home run to fly ball rate and the only thing that saved him was that he was so bad that he came out of games early and didn't have the opportunity to get a lot of home runs so yeah maybe maybe he turns it around this year the velocity is is very encouraging all right 5700 he'll stay in this as an sp2 i don't know that i'll want to go more than 10 percent um, I may, again, be a little more consolidated on some of the pitching tonight because we do have a, a few more decent ones to come. But remember, we do have a DFS strategy show. That will be Thursday morning. We will go uh, NBA, then MLB. Then we will do NBA live before lock for those early games. And then there will be a baseball live before lock before the main slate. Definitely check that out. It's lots of fun here at Osimo. Next game, Baltimore and Boston. So here's the comparators for Kikuchi. We have Nate Eovaldi <laughs> at 5,900 and Asher Wojciechowski at 5,300. Um, Woj is gone 78, 65, 67, and 92 pitches. Eovaldi definitely um, stretched out uh, 89, 91, 85, 89. I will land with Eovaldi going against Baltimore, but please note Baltimore has not been bad this year and we are now almost a month into the season uh i don't have a run total for this game but i can tell you it will be in the upper 70s in baltimore and i can confirm it's supposed to be a nice day and i'm about 40 miles from baltimore uh, i could also confirm that anthony santander out of nowhere is like the best hitter in baseball <laughs> guy it's like two home runs every slate so there are some yeah wait till he does problems. it against scherzer yeah. or somebody then i'll know he's for real <laughs> wait what's that I he's he already did. done I, it against scherzer yeah he did i, I think he did i think he did <laughs> So that, that's 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 kind of interesting. The other thing too with uh, Yavaldi throws very hard. Like Yavaldi's always going to throw hard, and you're always going to watch Yavaldi pitch and be like, "This guy should be an ace." And then he gives up a bunch of runs, kind of without without fail every time he pitches. Yavaldi's uh, is a pitcher who I think he has a little bit of upside because he's able to get strikeouts, strikes out about a hit of per inning, is cheap. And then on the other side, I think there's upside in the Orioles too because when Yavaldi's not going well. He's given up home runs. He's a 20.7% home run to fly ball rate this year, 22.9 home run to uh, 20, 22.9% home run to fly ball rate last year. So Uvalde's either going to get a bunch of strikeouts and pitch, you know, like five innings with six strikeouts and no runs, or if he does happen to give up runs, they're going to be via home run. So there's upside of all the, there's upside in the Orioles side of the game as well. All right. Uh, for the Asher Wojciechowski action, he, I'm just looking, did, it's interesting the product uh the projection systems don't hate hate him they've got him between eight and eight and a half uh strikeout per nine i was not expecting to see it that high he has bounced around multiple organizations he's been with the white Sox, the indians the orioles the reds the marlins the astros and the blue jays uh let's see majority of those are in minor leagues but he did make get a cup of coffee in 2015 with the astros in 17 with the reds 
and then 19 in, in this year with the Orioles. So he's been around for a long time. It's not like we're waiting for talent to appear. He's uh, 31 and a half. So for the anybody, and sometimes I just like to point that out because you hear like Asher Wojciechowski and you're like, oh, this, this guy's probably a young, talented. Maybe he was like a first or a second round pick or, you know, what, whatever it might be. And it's like, n- no, not, not really at all. So he is going against Boston. This is not the same Boston with Mookie Betts and friends, but it's still a tough Boston lineup. Um, damn it. I think I'll have uh, Kikuchi ahead of him. Mm-hmm. I think I'll put Ivaldi ahead of Kikuchi, just barely, though. Yeah, probably for me, too. Just because of the ease of the matchup, even though we've mentioned that the Orioles' offense has been better than expected, they're, they're certainly not the Dodgers. So I, I'd rather have a pitcher going up against the Orioles than the Dodgers. As, as for uh, Wojciechowski, so he is projected for a decent amount of strikeouts. Like you said, projection models have him over eight strikeouts. They also have him projected for around a 6 ERA this year. So that's, that's also an issue, working against him. So I think it's going to be a situation where he's either striking guys out or he's giving up a lot of runs, which is kind of what happened with him last year also. He had 4.92 ERA, 5.3 FIP, 5.61 XFIP, and then struck out about eight point, uh, was it? yeah, about a hitter per inning. Walks, gives up home runs, a lot of fly balls too. Like does not get any ground balls. He's at uh, 30% ground ball rate for his career. So the balls get hit in the air. A lot of them get hit hard. That leads to home runs. So he's a high upside uh, pitcher to target for bats. The uh, one issue there is that the Red Sox have been a pretty crappy offense this year. All right. Uh, our next one actually has two decent pitchers. Uh, we have Denilson Lamette at 8,500. I am definitely fired up for that one. I think that's a nice uh, discount to consider pivoting away from Bieber in some cases there. And then we have Kyle Gibson at 7,300. That's also a pretty solid price point. He has the tougher matchup going against San Diego. This one is in San Diego. Uh, I say tougher because Texas is not the same Texas. We're trying to figure out, is it ballpark? Is it team? Remember, they're not in Arlington, uh, the ballpark anymore. They're in whatever it is, Arlington, the field, but it's a covered park. They've had the roof open one day, and the only reason they did was to see what it was like when it was open. So they have 16 home runs as a team, pardon me, 17 home runs as a team on the year. That is minuscule at this point. Anthony Santander, I think has nine himself. A lot. Tatis has 11, Trout has 10. <laughs> so 16 as a team, six of them to Gallo. Yikes. What do you want to do with this pair of pitchers? Cause I think this leads us into some nice late slate action as well as main slate. Yeah, so I like Lamette more of the two. Not only has Lamette been really good this year, he's a very fantasy-friendly pitcher. He has a 1.59 ERA. He's striking out 11.44 hitters for nine innings. Lamette's been awesome this year. He's uh, definitely one of the more fantasy-friendly pitchers in the entire league. And let's see, what has his pitch counts been? Uh, slightly limited, but he's gotten up to 91 pitches. But he's striking out so many guys that even if he is held to his usual like 85 to 90 pitches, he could get enough strikeouts to do damage in that in that amount of in that amount of innings. And then the other thing also is, like you said, the Rangers do not have a good offense, so it's a very favorable matchup for him. All right, our next one is is uh, talent versus experience. What we'll go with. <laughs> we have Adam Wainwright at eighty three hundred. Wainwright has made two starts again. They uh, Cardinals had a sixteen day break for COVID related uh, safety. 
Wainwright's been solid this year. He is like a million years old. On the other side, you have Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray is 9,500, but he is someone that really needs to be in our uh, conversation here. He is. Uh, it, these are DK fantasy points. 30 or more in three of his five starts, 28 in, in one and 12 in the other. That's pretty good. I'm um, looking at his strikeouts. He has uh, 10, 7, 8, 11, and 9. He has 45 total in 30 innings. This is phenomenal. He has been doing it with two different pitches. Uh, Major League Baseball's probable starting pitchers page, I like to credit them, says uh, during an 8-1 win over the Pirates on Friday, Gray saw hitters not biting on his two-strike curveball, so he changed his game plan and attacked more with his fastball for the majority of his 10 strikeouts over the six and two-thirds innings before it had been kind of his curveball which has improved this year that was getting him somewhere i guess people were waiting on it because they saw him starting to lean on it and uh hey he had a nice day what do you want to do with uh with these guys i just wainwright is the epitome of smoke and mirrors at this point yeah no wainwright for me uh especially because i mean now as we go through this game by game it's like well there are so many good pitching options on this slate like can't we spread them around a little bit <laughs> like me and you like every it, it, sunday tradition is i wake up and i do a i, I do a I do a show with Emac where we just talk about terrible pitchers that are like that. I play fifteen percent of yeah. each. Yeah, it, yeah, for some reason, there's there's fifteen pitchers that are fifty six hundred pitching at Coors Field every Sunday morning, <laughs> and and then we've got this eight game slate on a Thursday, and it's like every pitcher averages like twenty five DK fantasy points per start. Uh, so Sonny Gray, I I like him going up against the Cardinals. Like you said, he's been really good this year. He averaged twenty eight point six DraftKings points per start. He's been close to unhittable this year. As for Wainwright, there's just so many good pitching options on the slate that it's hard for me to find him making the cut, especially when he doesn't have nearly the strikeout upside of some of these other guys. Yep. So let's get to our last two games here. Um, how about we'll call this one disappointing talent. You have Sean Maniac working his way back from, from injury from last year. Uh, 8,100, he's still priced like he is the Sean Maniac that has the potential to get 10 strikeouts. He really doesn't. Uh, He's gone 78, 71, 74, 69, and 55 pitches. I find it hard to see him much over 80 or pitches. He is 8,100. That just It just makes it tough, and, and people are, are hitting him. Alex Young, if I remember correctly, gives up about a million home runs per nine to righties. Uh, so he is someone that is uh, – and you, I know you've got the numbers up there. I'm just going off the top of my head. But he's got 14 total innings. He's given up four home runs. He does have 15 strikeouts. But he's playing Oakland. We know Oakland has massive power, and they can get very righty in a hurry. I'm not really a fan of either of these guys, even on the late slate. That makes it tough. Yeah, especially because there's so many good pitchers to target. Uh, I mean, in terms of good pitchers to roster, this is one of the spots where I feel like we have decent pitchers to stack against. So Alex Young, at first glance, you look at him, it's like, wow, he strikes out 9.64 hitters per nine innings this year, 3.86 ERA. He's done a lot of that out of the bullpen, and those numbers figure to be worse as a starter, and he still benefited from a lot of good luck. So he is a 5.36 FIP. The reason being is that he's a crazy left on base percentage. He is a 96.2 strand rate, uh, 243 BABIP. So he's getting really lucky. Uh, guys that are hitting balls and players generally hitting at fielders, and then when he's getting guys actually on base, they're just it's just good sequencing in his favor. Guys are getting hits with nobody on base, and then they don't get hits when they're actual hitters on base. So that's ninety six point two left yeah, on it's, base. It, yeah, that's it's that's impossibly high. Like there's there's no way that that's 
going to keep up. That's going to be – every pitcher basically typically ends up around 70 for the season. So if you look at the Zips projection for him, he's projected for a 5.09 ERA for the rest of the season. That's about what I'd expect from him. The A's, I think, are one of the top teams to stack on the slate. Absolutely. All right. Uh, that takes us to the last one. I know you had kind of mentioned uh, Kevin Gaussman as a potential guy here. I think he's he's interesting. The price is right, depending on how you feel about uh, – the Giants, uh, new stadium. And, and too. <laughs> I, you know what? 6,500, I'm willing to roll the dice, main slate and, and regular slate. Uh, on the other side, you've got Matt Andres that is going to be getting the start here for the Angels. It looks like he has gone about 40 to 45 pitches in each of his appearances. He'll probably be good for two innings. I don't know who's next coming in after that. Let me see if I can figure that out while you talk about these guys. Yeah, so the thing about Gaussman, and first of all, I I have not had more difficulty predicting any pitcher in baseball since the time I started playing DFS <laughs> than Kevin Gaussman. Kevin Gaussman is probably over the last five years, anybody who's played DFS, Kevin Gaussman's probably the highest variance pitcher in the league because at any given moment, he's the type of guy where he could look like an ace. Gaussman goes seven innings, eight strikeouts, look unhittable, and the next time he comes out, he gives up like three home runs in the first inning, and, he's, and he doesn't make it through two innings. So Gaussman's really hard to predict. So far this year, he's been more of the good than bad, especially because of the strikeout numbers. He's striking out 12 hitters per nine innings, uh, an okay 4.2 on ERA. His peripheral numbers suggest that he's been pretty unlucky. Unlucky 3.11 FIP, 3.14 XFIP. Uh, the BABIP's a little high. The strand rate's really low, so kind of the opposite of Alex Young. I think that Gaussman is a decent pitcher to look at if you're looking for somebody cheap. He is my top priority. Like I'd have him, I'd roster him before Uvalde, I'd roster him before Kikuchi. So if you roster one of the expensive pitchers and need a cheaper one to pair him with, I think Gaussman is the guy. All right, I'm looking here. It looks like the last time Andresi pitched a bunch, uh, was multiple relievers were in that game. They also used Jaime Barria on Tuesday for 66 pitches. He was the guy I thought might be the other long reliever. I don't know. Let's see. This is showing. I'm seeing nine different relievers in their camp, uh, the or on their the roster at the moment. The only two that have thrown more than 20 pitches in an in an outing is Andresi, who we know is going to be starting, and then Berea, who went on Tuesday, and they're not going to use him. He's he was like a swingman last year, a fifth starter. Um, he has some. If, if you ever know, he's the probable long reliever target against him because he gives up some home runs. Um, but I don't I I don't know what else to say on that one. Yeah, it's tough to know who's going to end up actually pitching the bulk of the game for the Angels. San Francisco also doesn't really have a great offense, so they're not really a team I'm dying to stack. Uh, if I had to pick one side of the game, it would be the Giants bats over whoever ends up pitching the bulk of the game for the Angels, though. All right. That is going to wrap it up for us. Reminder, that promo code to get one week of NBA for 824 is MAMBA in honor of Kobe Bryant. That promo lasts through MAMBA Day, August 24th you guys get the significance of those numbers with that gamers good luck